Hey, hey, everybody. John Odermatt, host of Felony Friday here, coming to you real quick pre-show to talk to you about a very cool opportunity. Uh, you've probably heard about it maybe earlier this week. Uh, Mark had Mikel Thorpe on a special bonus show to talk about this great summit coming up, online summit, called Offshore Escape 2020, brought to you by Mikel Thorpe. And it has tons of great speakers, Bobby Casey, John Perkins, who has been on Mark's program, and Mark is uh, presenting too. He's going to be talking about and presenting about everything that he's learned from interviewing hundreds and hundreds of free thinkers. It's a great opportunity to learn and to grow and to just dip your toe in the water to see if becoming an escape artist is right for you. Uh, the ticket is free. You can register. The only way you access it is by registering, and you can do that by going to lionsofliberty.com slash escape. All right, hope to see you there. Welcome to Felony Friday, a presentation of the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, John Odermatt. All right, welcome back to Felony Friday. Today, we got a, uh, a special episode. We've done one of these before. What this is, is one of our Nittany episodes where um, if you are a Lions of Pride member and you contribute up to the Nittany level, which is 50 bucks a month or above, uh, you get to basically produce, um, you know, we take your idea, what you want to do, and build an episode around that. And today uh, is Tyler Colfort. He's our Nittany supporter. It's his episode. So I'm joined by Tyler. Welcome to Felony Friday, man. Hey, thank you, John. It's uh, great being here. Yeah, great to have you here. And Tyler wants to build this episode around uh, freeing, freeing Ross Ulbricht. And I'm going to have an interview in a little bit with Lynn Ulbricht, Ross's mom. Lynn has been on the show before. Um, Lynn is you know, just a great lady. She's very active, uh, not only in activism for um, looking for a pardon or clemency or a com commutation for her son, Ross, but also just criminal justice reform in general. And uh, Tyler has taken his passion for freeing Ross one step farther and written a song about it. And we're going to play that song a little bit later, but I kind of wanted to start this episode out by uh, having Tyler tell you guys, you know, why he's so passionate about criminal justice reform and why he's particularly so passionate about uh, freeing Ross Ulbricht. Oh, is that my... That's your, that's, that's, that's where I turn it over to you. That's when you talk. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Great. Uh, well, thank you. Um, so it's, I heard about Ross, uh, I want to say it was like five or six years ago and, um, wasn't too aware of like what had actually happened, but I had heard of like the Silk Road and, and I heard about Ross. I, I think I was listening to um, Free Talk Live at the time. And uh, I was just like, man, that it's crazy. But I, I didn't really think any anything mm -hmm. of it. Um, and this past, uh, just last year, June, um, Lynn was talking at Porkfest. And like... I, I had remembered hearing about 
uh, Ross's situation. And I was just like, man, like he got such a bum like deal. It, it's so crazy. Like nonviolent, uh, like victimless crime mm-hmm. really like the Silk Road was, uh, it actually fulfilled people's wants and needs. Like the only reason why it's illegal is because of other, other people's moral judgments, um, but yeah, so I was, I was moved by, by seeing Lynn and, uh, at, at the time, like I didn't have any uh, enough money to like put towards the auctions that were going on. And I figured that I could turn one of my songs into, uh, something that per- will perpetually, um, give to the, uh, to freeing Ross and other nonviolent victimless uh, criminals. So, so right then at Porkfest, that's when you got the idea to, to uh, write the song, or not write the song. I was already so I had uh, listened to Bob Murphy's um, Chaos Theory mm-hmm. um, essay, and that really like sunk in like how the free market can really uh, handle the criminal aspect and, and the justice aspect of uh, our society. And I touched upon like uh, victimless crime. So, you know, if there's no victim, there's no crime. And I, w- I started writing this. I hadn't recorded it or, um, or anything at this time. Uh, when I was at Porkfest, but I had began, I had begun writing it and um, I had something ready to, to basically record, Mm -hmm. but it was all for, for justice reform, victimless crimes, um, basically like a private type um, uh, retribution instead of, or, or restitution instead of like a, uh, prosecution type aspect. So it, everything that I was talking about really fell in line with what happened with Ross Albert. And I was like, I, it was the perfect and, and uh, it just aligned perfectly. And I was like, you know, I, I live in an apartment, but I can still like, figure out some way to give back to uh, or put something into um, a good cause and freeing Ross is definitely a good cause. He's got a lot of uh, like wealth and and value to give back to the community. Mm -hmm. He's still doing it with his articles on medium and stuff, but it'd be so much more if he was free. Absolutely. And uh, so the way this is going to work is I'm going to bring Lynn on, do an interview with Lynn, and uh, have some questions. Actually, we're, we're going to talk about um, some things that really I haven't heard Lynn talk about too too much. Um, you know, how really faith has helped uh, her and Ross to uh, to get through this, really the, the, their entire family, and uh, how, how Ross really has, you know, used gratitude and forgiveness to uh, not even hold a grudge against the judge 
uh, that locked him up in order to kind of rise above it. So some pretty interesting stuff. Uh, we'll have the interview, and then we'll play Tyler's song, and then I'll bring Tyler back on. So here's the interview with Lynn Ulbricht. My guest today on Felony Friday is Lynn Ulbricht. Lynn is, of course, the mother of Ross Ulbricht. And Ross is, in case you've been living under a rock and you didn't follow the case, uh, Ross was the creator of uh, the black market marketplace, uh, Silk Road. Uh, he's now in prison for life. And uh, Lynn has been um, on the road, very active in the libertarian community and, and outside of it. Uh, criminal justice, I guess the criminal justice reform community in general, um, speaking out about her son's injustice. And, uh, um, you know, there's been a petition circulating around that I think has a few hundred thousand signatures on it to get a... It's pushing 300,000 300, to get a uh, a, yeah. a pardon for, Let me, for I can Austin. look it up right now. Sorry, I should have known. And that's right Lynn there. So, Lynn, today, welcome, but... welcome to Felony Friday. Welcome back, I should say. Thank you. It's so great to be back. Yeah, and talk to you. I really enjoyed the last time. Uh, but I'm, I'm booting up the petition because every day it grows. Um, yeah, we're almost, we're 292.543. So that's, oh, and then when I watch it, it, the numbers go up as I'm watching, which is always fun for me. It's like, oh, wow, somebody signed an hour ago. Somebody signed 10 minutes ago. And it's just been growing. So we're almost to 300. What's the easiest way for people to find uh, the petition? Uh, well, freeross.org has a banner. You click, it goes straight to mm -hmm. it. It's on it's on change.org on the uh, internet. Or you can just go to freeross.org slash petition. We'll also go straight to it. And, you know, really, I just like to say to people, you don't need to know every detail of the case. You don't have to think Ross is a good person. You don't have to think and agree with it. Mm -hmm. What all you have to do to sign the petition is... If you believe that it is wrong and excessive to give a nonviolent first-time offender a double life plus 40 years without parole, essentially death in prison, then you are, that's all we're asking is to commute the sentence. Not that he did nothing wrong, not that we would, Ross doesn't regret it, not that, you know, all of that, or the, does that warrant that kind of excessive sentence? Mm -hmm. And just just on on that point there, because I know that there's confusion around him being a nonviolent offender, because um, I bring right. this case up to people all the time, and, and maybe right. you can you can probably state this more clearly than I can about what actually what he was actually charged with and convicted of. But there's mm -hmm. if you you know Google Ross Albrecht, you Google Silk Road, you get articles saying that he's implicated in a, a murder for hire. So can you just mm -hmm. put some uh, uh, some clarity around that? How that how did that get attached or that that incorrect assumption get attached to his case? Well, yeah, it was the prosecutors who did it. Um, it first came out, it was an ambush at our bail hearing, Ross's bail hearing, because uh, lawyers didn't know anything about it. Um, and they came out at the bail hearing and said, oh, no, he, he arranged murders. And, um, you know, it was like, what? And um, so that was that the, that was the first time. Headline. Was that the first time that you'd ever heard of something like that? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, no, I think the media, let me think about this. It seems like I did hear about it before, but um, that was that, I guess that was the official mm -hmm. or it wasn't even official. It was just said at the bail hearing. So I believe that was the first time that, you know, the, the, the media really got that and ran with it. And um, then two months later, it wasn't in the indictment. It wasn't charged at trial. Mm -hmm. 
they didn't even, they didn't charge them with it. They were permitted to um, talk about it to the jury and said, oh, there were no murders. This, we're not asking you to rule on it, but just trust us. He did it. Now, this is, <laughs> we objected. The, the defense filed a motion objecting this because it, it prejudices the jury. Um, but the judge, um, you know, didn't, didn't accept that. So, and later she used the murder for hire as a, as a, um, to, to basically a basis or a, not a basis, but, um, to bolster her draconian sentence saying, well, he did it. I think he did it. Now this is a violation of the sixth amendment. And it was brought all the way. This exact thing was brought all the way to the Supreme court because the sixth amendment was written to protect the accused of uh, a rogue judge mm -hmm. deciding that she knows better than a jury. And that so no jury is required. And this is the sixth amendment guarantees a trial, uh, you know, a jury of our one's peers, 12 people, not one judge who decides to believe the prosecutors. And it was argued um, and supported by our, our uh, cert petition to the Supreme court was supported by 21 different organizations across the political spectrum, but they didn't take it. Now there was another in, uh, there was another um, <clears throat> charge. There was an actual charge. It never was um, prosecuted and it never went to trial in Maryland based on the material of two agents, federal agents who claimed they had these anonymous chats were Ross. It was never proven to be Ross. They were all anonymous chats. And these agents are now in prison for corruption. And um, so there's that. And you know, Ross has always denied this. His life history shows how peaceful and nonviolent he is, including in prison, where he put his own life in danger because he refused to assault another inmate that he was being um, pressured to do. And so that made him a target. Hmm. And um, he had to go into protective custody which was an eight by 10 metal box for three and a half months until he could be moved to a safer place for people who are targeted because he refused to assault someone. But um, in any case, the um, Maryland, this is in Maryland, the other indictment, it was based on material from these corrupt agents and the alleged victim, Curtis Green has come out um, publicly many times saying he doesn't think it was Ross. He's a high-level administrator on Silk Road, and that he supports Ross's um, freedom. Totally supports it, and so does his wife. So these, he doesn't believe it was Ross. So, so these two agents, um, the corruption that they were convicted of, what it's from the case, right? Didn't they steal Bitcoin? Mm -hmm. from oh yeah, they stole a lot of Bitcoin. Yeah. I, I'm trying to remember the exact amount. Um, maybe twenty thousand of them, or something like that. I'm not sure exactly. But it was, you know, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars worth, and um, and that wasn't yes. allowed to be brought up during because that was no. known. It was known at the time, right? Of the oh yeah, the uh, prosecution knew about these two agents. Mm -hmm. The judge, they only told the judge about one of them, Carl Force, Sean Bridges. They didn't even tell the judge, and but the judge allowed them to keep it out of trial that there was, um, you know, this corruption. It wasn't only that they were stealing; they had the ability and unfettered access to do anything pretty much they wanted on the site, including act as Dread Pirate Roberts without whoever that was knowing, um, and other aliases, and change chats, um, you know, content, 
They had keys. They had passwords. They had the keys to the kingdom, essentially. And um, this was not permitted to be known to the jury. Their existence wasn't permitted to be known to the jury. It's And a lot of people... I think in the in the mainstream media who don't know a lot about this case, people who just maybe read the headlines, right. they they think that Ross was the only Dread Pirate Roberts, the only uh, mm-hmm. DPR, and they have no clue that uh, agents, federal agents, had access to be able to act as DPR, um, right. which opens up the. I mean, who knows what happened? I guess we'll really never know. What, you know how much they yeah. were doing and what kind of influence they were wielding. Um, and it's something that, that was interesting. I, I, I was talking to you uh, pre-show about your interview on the Babylon Bee, which uh, I highly recommend everyone check out. It's great. Oh interview. yeah, they're great. First time I've ever listened I'll to their podcast. Things, yeah. I, I love their <laughs> yeah, their uh, whole thing is good. I love their work. You know their articles and everything they post. You oh know, my I see god, it on I mean, Facebook. And I laugh every day when I read. <laughs> get it in my box. It is hilarious stuff. But I mean, yeah, they're also very uh, you know, very good interviewers, and I thought it was it was great mm-hmm. uh, great interview. So encourage everyone to check that out. To, to circle to circle back, and I think what I I don't remember exactly what, what I was going to ask, but what, one thing that came up is that you had no idea um, that Ross was involved. You had no idea that Silk Road existed, or he was involved with it, or or anything until um, you saw a news report on it, right? That he that he had been well, arrested. Well, yeah. Or, well, Reuters called us up, and um, so a, a reporter from Reuters somehow got our number. And um, started telling us all of this stuff about Ross has been arrested. And, and see, that's when I think I first heard about this murder for hire. But, God, I'm getting confused, mm-hmm. to be honest. I know that our lawyer felt ambushed at the bail hearing. But anyway, um, uh, I was like, this is insane. You know, Ross, this doesn't fit. And then I turn on the TV and George Stephanopoulos, Stephanopoulos is going, they got, they got their man. They got him. He's guilty. And I'm like, wow, this is, I mean, don't we get trials? Don't mm-hmm. we, are we innocent until proven guilty? And then the neighbor, uh, the neighbors started, you know, freaking out because uh, media is driving by, knocking on our door, emails pouring. It all just became an avalanche all of a sudden. Uh, and my, actually my, my life has never been the same since yeah, that moment. That. It's pretty crazy. So, yeah. so Ross was living in California at that time, right? Yes. And mm-hmm. you were, I know you're in Arizona now. Were you, it was Austin, you Texas. That? You were, we lived in Austin, okay. yeah. So what was he, I forget, what was he doing uh, career-wise at, at that time? You know, he took a, a path. He um, originally, he had gotten his master's degree at Penn State in Penn material State. science. Right yeah, I'm noticing you had your Penn State shirt. <laughs> and um, he... Uh, you know, was on his way. He got a scholarship to Cornell in, in material science and he was on his way to there. And he got very involved with the Ron Paul campaign, very turned on and, you know, passionate about freedom and free markets and decided and Austrian economics and all of that. And just said, it's not my passion anymore. I can't go on and get, I can't do it. I can't go on to pursue material science. And of course I, as his mother was like, what? are you saying, what is this you want to do, you know? And, um, but, you know, I, I understand that it's a really long haul to get your PhD. Mm-hmm. And so he um, started a book uh, business, online book business called Good Wagon Books. And actually part of the protocol was to donate to um, local charities. But, and so he was working on that. 
And um, he was also, I believe, and I'm not sure of the timeline, to be honest, um, uh, uh, working on a Bitcoin exchange to try to, this was all theoretical, you know, at the time, because it didn't happen. And um, then a friend of his um, said, hey, I'm, I've got some startups happening out here in California. Why don't you come on out? I'd love to work with you on some stuff. And so he went out to San Francisco and uh, roomed with Renee and um, they were working on different things. And honestly, I don't remember exactly what they were. Um, none of them really came to fruition. Um, he also had started a video game though. He had created a video game that was based on free market principles to give people, he wanted to give people the experience of what a free market was, not just talk about it, not just theoretical, but actually understand it by doing it. Mm -hmm. And when the um, video game didn't work, he turned to the internet. Yeah. And, and, and he created gave them website, which is, you said dark net market. And I always go, well, it was supposed to be a free market, you know, it's like, but yeah, it, it, you know, obviously there were illegal things on it. So. Yeah. Well, people, the people, idea hear, people hear dark web and yeah, everyone's mind yeah. goes essentially to right. nefarious things. But mm -hmm. so essentially he just created this platform where people could freely trade. There were restrictions on it. There were, absolutely. Um, where there was no child pornography, no. Um, nothing stolen, right? Um, Correct. And Anything that, it was, it was all based on the non-aggression principle. Mm -hmm. So, and voluntary interaction. So no force was accepted. Anything that used force, anything that harmed a third party, like a child, or like someone who's been um, ripped off or whatever, that was not allowed. It was all very much about really the libertarian philosophy of mm -hmm. uh, non-aggression. How do we, do we know, or is it known, I guess, how long Silk Road, yeah, how long Silk Road was up because he, Russ created it. So when, when did it get created? Where about? I think in 2011. 2011. And then when they took and Ross they, down, is that when it went offline or did it still yeah. stay up? Or? No, well, actually, interesting enough, the forum still stayed up. And actually, when Ross was in prison, someone using the Dread Pirate Roberts account logged in <laughs> and um, Ross couldn't possibly be that person because he was in prison. And this all uh, was discovered after trial. There were, there were things at the trial, though, that indicated more than one Dread Pirate Roberts as well, and lots of anecdotal evidence. But in any case, this was pretty substantial hard evidence, but it was too late. And um, yeah, so um, uh, yeah, the forum stayed up, but, but then um, I think it went down, you know, fairly soon after, like maybe a few weeks. So one thing that I, I did want to talk to you about before we run out of time, and I, we have plenty of time left, but um, on that Babylon B uh, mm -hmm. podcast, you talked a little bit about your faith and about Ross's faith. So I wanted to I wanted to talk about that and how that's helped you both to to navigate this uh, this uh, whole situation, this uh, this really tragic tragic uh, situation. So yeah. you, you became, you've, have you been a Christian your whole life or is it something that's, that's new or? I was raised uh, a Christian and then went off into new age pursuits and spiritual pursuits. I've always believed in God. I was not a Christian when I was raising the kids. Uh, when, you know, neither was my husband. So we were not a Christian, we were not Christian then, but then um, I did become a Christian as an adult. And out of my uh, becoming a Christian, eventually the rest of my family did as well. 
including Ross and um, our daughter, Callie. So, um, yeah, so I, I'm not, I became Christian as an adult. And um, for me, I realized all of the spiritual things I've been pursuing, I've been driving by churches my whole life, <laughs> pursuing, and I realized I'm a Westerner, this is my path. Um, and uh, yeah, I accepted Jesus and mm -hmm. it's changed my life. And I truly believe it's helped me get through this ordeal. Uh, I think that there is um, divine guidance here. I really do. That's my personal belief. We've we've made so much progress and been able to reach out to so many people and meet so many people and um, doors have been opened. And so I remain optimistic that we will free Ross. And I mentioned on that interview, I had a, a moment. I was um, <clears throat> lying in bed early morning, kind of half awake. And I heard, not with my ears and not within my mind, but just I heard some... He will be free. Hmm. And I, yeah, I was like, um, I was like, wow, he, he's going to be free. And that was years ago. <laughs> so I've, but I've held on to that. And um, yeah. And so, and also I really want that this Ross's case and Ross wants this too, shines a spotlight and some of the, the things that we've discovered that are really wrong and so many people hurting and helps make some changes and um, that God will use that, use Ross's case for that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it, I think it's already happening. You know, I think we're already seeing some of that. Um, it's just, so Ross has been in prison for how many years now? Uh, he's been, uh, it's been, it'll be seven. Seven. Let me think of it. He's a seventh year. He went in and, November of 13, beginning of November of 13. So this November, and that was, it'll be 20. So I guess that's seven years or, I, you know, some people say, no, that's eight years. I, I'm completely, this yeah. is how bad I am at math. I, I am too. You almost have to have to get a calendar out and count it off. Yeah. Um, and it's then, a and then long they give time. You, they give you the sentences in months to make it even more confusing. Yeah. But, but it, it's a long time and um, so unnecessary. Ross wouldn't hurt a fly. And um, right now, what's really been hard is with the COVID thing, he, they, they kept all the prisoners in uh, their cell 22 hours a day. We're now since the middle of March, 22 hours a day in a cell. He gets out two hours to shower and make a call. And he now they've started one hour a week going outside in the yard. I mean, it's. What are the conditions like in the prison that he's in? Because I've had on, I actually had on uh, somebody that I interviewed while in prison. They were on a, a phone that they snuck in um, and they were telling me the, the current conditions, and with, especially with COVID, how they were moving anyone who was uh, showing symptoms or was positive or you know, presumed to be positive into like a separate wing. Um, and that's, I mean, that's just the COVID. Then there's the overall you know, terrible ventilation in prison and, and different, different things like that happening. Has Ross uh, shared with you anything about the conditions where he is? Um, uh, as far as um, COVID or just in general? In, COVID and in general. Just Well, where he is now is definitely an improvement from where he was before because, first of all, it's not violent. Um, even though it's a maximum, it's where they put people who are threatened with violence. So he 
The people there are not violent. Ross isn't one really to complain about conditions, really, honestly. Mm-hmm. He's he's he doesn't complain much about anything. And so, you know, he just kind of takes things as they come. So I don't really have a report on the conditions. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, American prisons, even as bad as some of them are, is are so much better than other countries in the world. I mean, he had a cellmate who was in a Thai prison that sounded like unbelievable nightmare. So it's like, you know, look, it's not a country club at all, but it's, um, you know, um, they generally get enough to eat and they generally, you know, it's not comfortable. You wouldn't want to be there, but it's, you know, as far as the virus, um, I haven't been super concerned because Ross is young and healthy. Mm-hmm. And I don't think, I don't think, I don't know for sure. They do, they do put up the amount of cases. I don't think there's a, a lot of any now there. So I would just like them to be able to not be confined in a cell for 22 hours a day. And they're doing this out of caution, but it's just overkill in my, in my opinion. Yeah, especially with the uh, the new research coming out about vitamin D, how essential that seems mm-hmm. to be. With uh, good point, that's yeah. exactly what I was thinking. So um, it's not getting enough vitamin D. But I, I did want to ask you about. Uh, I've heard you talk about how Ross. I don't know if this was after he was uh, sentenced when um, you talked about he saw two different paths that he could go down. Um, could, yeah, could you, could you he explain writes about that? Okay, he he wrote about that. Yeah, so. yeah he wrote, there's a there's an essay and it's on our website and it's also on medium.com. And he writes about um how yeah, after the sentence, he um saw that there was two two options, you know, two paths that he would he you know, he, he one was a total downward spiral mm-hmm. into, you know, demons of bitterness and despair and hatred and crushing sadness and all of that, all of those. I mean, if you can imagine getting a life without parole sentence, how you would feel. I mean, I, I myself, it was one of the worst, probably except for his um, trial day where he was convicted. It was the worst day of my life to have him get that. And uh, it's just, it's like a death. It's like, a, it's a death sentence, only you're still alive. Uh, and so he saw that, if he, you know, he, how would he claw his way back out of that pit? And the other path, he, he, he felt like there was a path upward, but he couldn't find the steps. He couldn't, he just thought there was no reason to hope it was over. And so he, um, he said that he just had to have faith that God would see him through, that that was all he had. He was brought to his, totally brought to his knees and just, he thought, I've got to do, I've got to try to take the upward path. And I'm not strong enough on my own to keep from keep out of that abyss that'll devour me. And so he writes, it's kind of interesting because Ross is a scientist. He was a physics guy. He worked in solar labs. He was a major that in undergrad and material science. So he's very logical and wants proof of everything. And he said, you know, it may be irrational to believe without proof, to have faith. Mm-hmm. But he's come to feel that it's also irrational to forsake the hope and the love and the joy that faith has brought him because it's given him and me and our family the strength to fight and hopefully ultimately to win. And it's a desperate situation. We, you know, you, it, you, keeping, and he says, keeping his faith alive is the difference between freedom and a slow cage death where you're just sitting in that cage 
looking at the bars, you know, or the wall. But if you if you have your faith, and he does meditate and pray regularly, you are not you have freedom. You know, even though you don't physical freedom, you're not being eaten alive. There are guys in there that you know they're they're in despair, they're bitter, they're and and some of them have very good reason to be. And Ross just chose, he's chosen not to. And he's also applied many Christian principles. For for instance, forgiveness, which is foundational to the Christian faith to forgive others. It's very hard. I work on it myself a lot. And he's been quite an example for me because he forgave the judge, this woman who gave him a death sentence, essentially, a walking death sentence. And there was one time when I was just kind of ranting about her (laughs) and he's like, no, we're not going to do that. It's, it's, we're not going to go down that path of, of how angry or anything. It's like, I wish her well. He, he even said that publicly. Wow. It's like, he wants to be free of, you know, he talks about the forgiveness thing. Cause he said, you know, he, he was just, his mind would go crazy with all the people, the faces of the people, you know, the prosecutors and the politicians and the judges and the federal agents and all those people who had put him in the, in this cage. And he said it was so emotional. He just was angry and frustrated, helpless and hating them and all of that. And um, he just realized he wasn't going to, he had to stop it somehow, but he couldn't stop it. But he had to get a grip, right? Mm-hmm. And um, he realized, look, they're not sitting there tormented. They're not losing sleep over this. They're fine. Um, or, you know, they might, they may, you know, he doesn't know, but, you know, he's the one that's suffering. And that's true of all of us when we don't forgive. And believe me, it's damn hard. And I don't succeed a lot of the time. But if we don't, then we're the ones, if someone said, like eating poison and hope the other person dies. It's like they don't, they're not impacted. You are. Yeah. And so um, he said uh, he just wasn't getting them back or doing any good by holding a grudge. He was just poisoning himself. And so he purposely cultivated thoughts that would help him forgive them and even feel sorry for them for being so callous, for being so cruel and um, focused on feelings of love and kindness and just imagining him healing those who had hurt him. Which is amazing. It I is mean, amazing. It is. That's an amazing and way. He, you, I love the way yeah. you put that there. It's like eating poison and hoping the other person suffers or dies. It's yeah. That's such a great way to put it because you are. It's it's, it's the, the thoughts, the fears, the everything. It's like you're reliving it again and taking it on yourself. Right. Right. It doesn't make it easier. And that to bitterness do, but, eats yeah. away at you. Yeah. yeah. No. I mean, because you want them to pay. Yeah. You know, and uh, well, they may or they may not. You know. And he said, um, "It's not up to you, though, right?" Mm-hmm. And he said, um, started being able to sleep. And as time went on, he just, as he was in the conversation with me, he would not allow those thoughts or any conversation that would go down that road. And he writes, he goes, um, hate does not hurt the hated. It hurts the hater. And so he said, it's been years since he's wasted his energy on those people. Wow. And he's so much better off. That is a very strong Christian principle um, that, you know, Jesus said, forgive your enemies. Mm-hmm. Talk about hard. You know, it's it's so it, it's so counterintuitive. And yet, 
oh, it's, you know, you kind of got to do it. <laughs> it, it isn't. It isn't. I mean, it's counterintuitive on the surface level, but just like you were explaining there, once you start digging down, it does make, it is rational, I, I think, too. Right. Because well. you get a result. You mm-hmm. get a good result. Yeah. And, um, and he also, you know, in the same, I don't know if you want me to keep talking about this. <laughs> no, sure. Yeah, <laughs> right. um, another couple of things he talks about, which are also Christian values, are acceptance, but mostly gratitude. And it's kind of, you know, kind of like gratitude. He's grateful for what, you know, his life or grateful. And he said, you know, look, you know, you can suffer. There's all kinds of ways you can suffer in prison, little ways, big ways. It's countless, constant, you know, and I noticed Ross won't like, I'll be mad at some guard for being a jerk or whatever. And he's, he's like, yeah, well, he's neurotic or yeah, that's the way he is. Or yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't allow himself to get upset. He accepts it and then takes the next step and is grateful for things like, basically he says pain is inevitable in prison, but suffering is optional. So when you're suffering, you're feeding that pain, right? The, it, it's like holding on to it, nurturing it. And so he um, just is grateful. And he said, well, um, here I am and I have clean water and I have enough food. I'm alive. My family's alive. I have my health. I'm surviving. Thank you. You know, mm-hmm. thank you for that. And um, so he's been very, it's been a very wise path that he's, he's taken that seems difficult. But again, like you were saying, it also uh, is practical because he is emotionally and mentally healthy right now. It's not that it, look, he is, <laughs> it's hard what he's going through, especially now, but he most of the time doesn't let it get to him. And that, I don't know that I could say the same. I really don't. I don't know where I, I can't imagine. Well, a, a lot of the time they say that a prison sentence is harder on a family than it is on, <laughs> on the one who's incarcerated. Um, hmm. I, I mean, I'm sure it's obviously different uh, case by case, but mm-hmm. it's uh, it's not that it's easy on anyone. But uh, No, it's, very, it's certainly true that the family is also serving time yeah. um, as the prisoner is. But I can get out in nature and I can yeah. see friends and I can, you know, do a lot of things that um, Ross can't. And I'd rather not be. I mean, if I were going to pick one or the other, yeah. I'd take my path. It's an, I do think it's easier for me yeah, than being in a, in a cage all the time. That so, makes sense. Um, I, yeah. I did want to ask you uh, uh, before I let you go. What's what's the status with appeals? Are there appeals left? Um, I know that you know there's the drive with the uh, petition to get mm-hmm. a pardon or a commutation or some form of clemency. But what what are the options left on the table? Well, we went we went to the, all the way to the Supreme Court with two very important questions. One was a Fourth Amendment issue, which they punted, and the other was that Sixth Amendment issue I talked about, um, defending our rights to a jury trial hunted. So um, that's kicked, those cans are kicked down the road. Um, Hopefully someday they will be corrected because they've been going on for decades. But in any case, um, so that exhausts your appeal, appeals in the court. You can't go on to do direct appeals. There is an option, a final Hail Mary called the um, 2255 or habeas petition. We are uh, doing that. Unfortunately, it's also in the Southern District of New York. 
One benefit is that it would have been in front of the same judge who sentenced him, can, if you can believe that, but um, she retired, luckily, for everyone. That's good. Anyone who cares about justice, yeah. anyway. And uh, so at least it's a different judge. I don't know her, but um, that's one uh, thing that could give some relief. You know, it depends how it all goes. Um, the other is is the clemency. That's the only other option you have is um, a commutation or pardon. In his case, it would be a commutation by the president of the United States because it's a federal case. If it's a state case, it would be a governor. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So the petition's asking for really a correction of a draconian sentence that really violates the Eighth Amendment of the Constitution, which prohibits cruel and unusual punishment. Very unusual sentence. Very cruel. So um, it's saying this sets a terrible precedent. This is going to hurt other people going down the road, and um, it needs to be fixed. Please fix it, President Trump. Please mm-hmm. fix it. And um, so that's what we're asking. Um, and I don't know. I, I, I like I said, I'm hopeful. I, President Trump has shown, and I actually wrote an um, an op-ed about it that was um, published in the Arizona, an Arizona paper, um, the Arizona Republic, I believe, that um, said, look, he has shown that he cares about clemency. He likes to um, give, let people out of prison. Yep. I mean, he's en- enjoyed that. I would certainly enjoy it. I would love it. I wish I could sit down and let people out all day long. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's very moving when you see someone like Alice Johnson, who's been there for 22 years on a nonviolent drug, and by the way, who's also smeared with murder for hire, um, and uh, but not charged with it. Um, very commonly done, apparently. Um, so I'm hopeful that if we can get the case in front of the president and he can see the injustice and what's been done, that he will um, add Ross to the list. I mean, and and I believe having the petition, there's no automatic. Oh, yeah, I see journalists write. Oh, it's going to be submitted. No, it's a it's really a PR tool that shows a movement. It shows that there's almost three hundred thousand people, way over a quarter of a million people, who thinks this is important and should be fixed. And as it grows, that does influence people. I mean, I've talked to legislators and others, and they're impressed. They're like, "Wow, really." They're surprised because it's so many. Yeah, and honestly, probably a lot of them have never looked into the case. They they just saw the headlines um, too. And uh, yeah, if you Google Ross, you get all that. Stuff. Yeah, and you know, look, I'm sure you know. Obviously, you know mm-hmm. that um, you can't believe pretty much anything the media says. I mean, it's just you can't. No. It's just I'm constantly fighting with. Please change this. This is wrong, and I prove it to them. And it's the whole thing. And some of them do, and some of them don't. Mm-hmm. I, I late lately, there's an example. Uh, a very generous supporter bought a billboard on Times Square for Ross. It says free Ross uh, and then the website, very simple. Mm-hmm. And um, so this publication, Times Square Chronicle or something, uh, wrote about it and, and said Silk Road was best known for child exploitation and human trafficking, neither of which was connected with it in any way. It was just completely false. And I wrote her and haven't heard a thing back. Uh, but yeah, so it's this kind of thing that they put up there and then people read it and go, Oh, I guess that's true. It's, you're reading it. You know, it's just, it's just, there's no honesty. 
there's no integrity. That's probably a better way to say it. No Not integrity much. in journalism. All they care about is the headline and the clicks. And yeah. There's exactly. no real. And they're lazy. Yeah. It's very lazy. Yeah, it's it's not really it's checking true. it out. You know, it's, no. it's, yeah. No, but, but, yeah, it's, 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 it's pretty terrible, but uh, yeah, hopefully the, the, I, I'm optimistic, uh, you know, Good. I do this, you know, this podcast every week um, interviewing, not every week, but probably th- three out of four times a month is an interview with someone who's been through uh, the the prison system and lately it's been a okay. just a constant stream of people especially lately uh, people getting out compassionate release because of COVID and my oh, last my last two episodes before this were with two uh, gentlemen who uh, each did 26 years in prison uh, for nonviolent drug offenses oh, and uh, they're now free but it's it's interesting like uh, it's a lot of time you're talking it's a tremendous amount of time and. Uh, their family stuck with them. Um, the oh, the one, um, his daughter was instrumental. Uh, Felix Walls, his daughter Allegra Walls, was instrumental in getting him out. Stuck with him Great. through the twenty six years that he was in. Just just incredible. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, people don't know about this. P- people don't know that this problem exists outside of you know people who are passionate about it. So that's why I do this podcast, mm-hmm. and you know that's, that's why I want to have you. you back on to to draw more attention uh, to you. Ross's case and. Um, if we could get uh, maybe a celebrity or two to back it, or maybe that would the be nice. <laughs> maybe the new uh, libertarian presidential candidate, uh, Joe Jorgensen, maybe she'll. I don't know. Has she spoken out about about Ross's case? I don't know if I've seen. No, it, I should reach out. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I'll, when I publish this, I'll tag her in it to, to free Ross. But she's been very okay. good so far with uh, saying uh, some very libertarian positions. So I'm, I'm hopeful that. Good. Great. Glad to hear that. Yeah. I haven't been following it. Um, lately you know so great yeah she's a she's a good candidate i think but um just before I let and you go, as you know you may know the libertarian party itself mm-hmm. has um yeah. did a motion to for trump to issue clemency to ross um 46 state chairman uh of the libertarian party have signed a letter that uh, will go to the white house asking uh president to commute the sentence and, um, you know, we have support from the libertarians. You guys are my people, so, and Ross's people. So, but it's, it, they understand what, where Ross was coming from. You know, they understand the motivation. They understand that. So it's, it's a, you know, they, they get it, you exactly. know. Mm-hmm. But Lynn, um, I want to thank you once again for, thank you. Uh, for, for giving your time. And, uh, Absolutely, anytime. Uh, I will send this to you when it publishes and uh, look forward to uh, to hearing you on another podcast. And uh, I'll, I'll tag that uh, Babylon B podcast. You know, people say podcasters shouldn't share other people's podcasts. I, I don't care. I mean, that was, that was a great interview. So I'll share that around. But And they're great people. You know, we're all on the same team. <laughs> Is there any, anything else you, you want to uh, want to plug or bring people attention to before? Well, you know, there are other ways to help as well as a petition, of course, sharing it. There's a take action page on our website for, with ideas. Uh, we always need donations because with the things I just mentioned we're involved with, I have lawyers. I've got like three, I think, or four. Uh, lawyers are super expensive. <laughs> and um, then uh, if anyone has any political connections like you were talking about, it'd be great to, um, we have a widespread support page. You may have seen it, John. Um, you know, get quotes from prominent people who, you know, or support from them or letters from them. 
um, would you know really be helpful. Um, so if anybody knows someone and they bring their attention to it, put them in touch with me, um, that can really help. Makes a big difference. Definitely. I will link to all that on the show notes page. And Lynn, thank you so much for coming back on the show. Thank you, John. Anytime. Okay. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that interview with Lynn Albrecht. I have now for you Tyler Colford's song, aka Crypto Man, Free Ross. Here we go. Ross Albrecht is serving two consecutive life sentences plus 40 years for creating a means for individuals to anonymously make online exchanges using Bitcoin. His actions did not create victims. For nothing more than creating a marketplace, the government locked him up and threw away the keys. Let's get Ross pardoned and get victimless crimes off of the books. Hashtag free Ross. Free Ross. Free Ross. Free Ross. Free Ross. Free Ross. Crazy. 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 These are perilous times when they ruin your lives over victimless crimes And they sever your ties from your business loved ones and family wide New slave labor, they barely pay ya Don't care about work ethic or major In the prison system, the training criminals Doesn't matter, public or private, difference is minimal Your victimless crimes up off of the books Yeah, and those who wrote the crimes are really the crooks Decrease the population of the government slaves And let those still in the system choose where to be caged Cause a prison without prisoners would go belly and if no one wants to be there, it's probably corrupt Look, no one in the right mind wants to be in those shoes But if you had to go now, where would you choose, huh? Where would you choose? Where would you choose? Land of the free or scapegoats and sheep? We spent 50,000 a year for each in the clink I said land of the free or scapegoats and sheep? We spent 50,000 a year for each in the clink Restitution over persecution, that's the solution But today's politicians make it more confusing Three felonies a day by the average person Still wonder why there's an overpopulation In the prison system, persecuting crimes When there is no victim, parents doing time Separating children, perpetuating crime To a future generation Still the general perception, we are the freest nation And if you believe that, I got a kingdom for sale That make you prove your innocence and assume your guilt Held until convicted, unless you make bail That's the type of nonsense to make a nation will. First time offender, no violence at all. The government used warrantless surveillance, and 98% of people in this country do a plea deal. They're bullied and threatened by prosecutors. That is basically how our system works. Everybody should be concerned about what's going on in our criminal justice system. How can you call this correctional? It's a criminal training training programming program. All right, there you have it. Hashtag free Ross by Crypto Man, also known as Tyler Colford. You heard a little, a little piece there, a little uh, audio part by Lynn Ulbricht mixed into that song. Just fantastic. You can find it on Spotify. Um, you can also buy it on Amazon. I'm going to link to it on the show notes page uh, where you can buy it on Amazon. And uh, let's finish up our interview, the rest of our interview, hearing from Tyler Colford, what motivated him to write this song, and why does he care so much about criminal justice reform? All right, so here we are back with uh, Tyler Colford, and hopefully you guys enjoyed that interview with Lynn Ulbricht, and uh, hopefully you've you know gone to uh, 
you know, sign the petition to, to free Ross and I'll, I'll I'll put all the links on the show notes page for the petition um, for to where to donate to the cause and obviously uh, where to purchase Tyler's song uh, to support his, uh, his work as an artist and uh, back here with, uh, with Tyler again. And I wanted to dig a little bit more into Ross's case and, you know, one aspect of it that I didn't really talk about it with Lynn today, but um, I've heard it talked about in the past on other uh, podcast. Maybe I've speculated about it myself. I can't remember, but I'm looking at your opinion on this, Tyler. All right. What, what, what do you think about the role of Bitcoin in this? A lot of people think, and there's a famous uh, in the mm. one documentary that you know Chuck Schumer, um, you know, basically, you know, points out he's saying that basically Bitcoin should be illegal, and uh, just just just. Cut and dry. This is this is bad stuff. It's used by bad people. It's you know used on the you know for nefarious transactions. Blah blah blah. Yeah. What what do you think? Do you think that the the reason Ross or one of the reasons why Ross has been punished so harshly is because of the Bitcoin element to this? Uh, it's definitely um, a possibility. I mean, every everything that was happening then, like Bitcoin was really just jumping off i like i remember listening to free talk live and and like the price of it was like i think it was under ten dollars a coin Mm -hmm. so it was like just barely starting to to like a couple stores using it in new hampshire but other than that like it was it was just starting it was it had potential to grow and maybe the government saw that, you know, uh, and he was used as an example. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not sure, but it definitely seems like there's a possibility there. Uh, I'm not going to give a definitive answer though. Yeah. No, I mean, all we can do is speculate. That's what we do here at Lions of Liberty. Yeah. We just wildly speculate. But uh, I mean, the elements of the case that, that really rubbed me the wrong way, aside from the judge, just hammering him, you know, hammering him harder than, really any sort of comparable case out there. I mean, even if you look at the other characters in this case, I think the creator of uh, Silk Road 2 got some like eight years in prison. Um, the two federal agents who were stealing Bitcoin and got convicted of corruption, which was not allowed to be brought up at the trial, um, their their involvement in the case and them doing that, they each only got six years in prison. I'm sure they won't serve even half of that. Right. They're, they're but, probably uh, out now. Yeah, they, they might be. I'm not even sure. But what's what are your thoughts on that? I mean, those elements of the case. That just adds credence to him being used as example to to be like, if you mess around with this, like we're gonna come after you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they have the monopoly on currency right now. <laughs> they they have like so mu- so much financial aid going to all sorts of different countries and stuff all in the form of petrodollars like it's it's a it's the dollar and i yeah. i just feel like the biggest threat to their power right now is the power of the dollar so you're saying maybe the he biggest, was used thre- as the an example. Is, is, is Bitcoin because Bitcoin was a threat. Exactly. To the yes. And 
And if he was the first one to go down, then that definitely adds a lot of credence to. Yeah, but it's 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 interesting. Like if you if you were to maybe I'm wrong, but the impression I get if you were to go out like on the street somewhere, and I guess you couldn't do it now because you can't really talk to people on the street because because of COVID, everyone's wearing a mask. But say you could, and you go out there, you know, man on the street with a camera and a microphone, and you start asking people. What do you know about Ross Ulbricht, Silk Road? I would guess that half the people probably wouldn't know who Ross Ulbricht was. You know, maybe of those half who do know, probably 75% would probably, the first thing they would say is, well, he was, uh, he was trying to kill people. He was, you know, do, it was murder for hire, which has been, I mean, those charges were never brought. Um, the ones in Maryland were dropped. The guy who allegedly was the target of this murder for hire says Ross had no part in it. And a lot of people don't know this. DPR, who Dread Pirate Roberts, who, um, you know, the head of Silk Road, who Ross was acting as as the creator, there were thought to be multiple of them. And there were federal agents acting as DPR. And even after Ross was in prison, someone logged in as DPR. So the, the whole thing is just such a such a cluster and it's he can't even he can't even get an appeal i mean it is yeah i have been bringing it up um at work and stuff and and for the most part like no one has even really heard of ross Ulbrich. like they might have heard of the silk road and that's about the extent of of their knowledge of the of anything they didn't they probably like nine times out of ten haven't even heard like known that it was uh taken down and and these cases were brought upon like everyone involved or whatever but like they they just heard of the silk road they they didn't hear ross ulbrich and then i i talk about it and they're like what like uh, when I mentioned like the, the agents that were caught, um, embezzling, um, like they're like, that's, that's so messed up. And, and since no one's heard of like the alleged murder, uh, uh, attempt attempted murders or, or what have you, like, I don't really have to go into that issue, even though it's been debunked. Um, and right. The guy, the guy who was like the target or, uh, uh, allegedly the target. Um, he's like in favor of, of pardoning or finding clemency for Ross. Right. I, I believe so. So, I mean, mm-hmm. that, that just makes the whole, everything even more like ridiculous. Yeah, I, I do. I mean, I do like with you creating a song, uh, and I think libertarians need to do more of this. And I think there are more libertarians starting to do this, where you're you're coming at it from a cultural angle. And the song, it's and yes. the song itself isn't only. It's not. I mean, it's about really criminal justice reform as a whole. I mean, you you, you, you yeah, can speak yeah. to that if you want to talk about like this the song and like what what you know the the under the the underlying uh, message there. Oh, well, I mean, really, I I have a a couple um, articles that I wrote about, like, 
actually I think it's just one article. It took so long to write, but um, about like prison reform, because like the whole the biggest issue that like the left has is that it's private. They're private prisons, quote unquote. Like, um, but they're there's stocks owned by like congressmen and judges and stuff. And it's like quasi, it's like the federal reserve. It's, it's private, but it's Mm -hmm. not, it's, it just works in the whole system. But I, I feel like the, the mission statement of prisons are what's really like lacking. Like I I'm all for privatizing everything, you know? So uh, when it comes to that, I just feel like the prison can um, change its mis- mission statement instead of just um, being like holding prison mm-hmm. uh, prisoners. It could also have a, a dual effect with like the homeless situation. Be like, yeah, we can house you, and and they're really like providing towards ha- like uh, a livable um, area instead of just like prison cells and and what have you like they could they, it could be more of like an apartment building it wouldn't look like a prison complex the the people in there would probably be more uh like less apt to to try and escape which i hear about people trying to escape all the time i hear about people having like not having adequate bedding or sheets mm-hmm. um and and just the terrible living like uh flooded floors and and all yeah, sorts toilets of toilets that won't flush uh, just overflowing it's, yeah exactly it's disgusting, it's disgusting. and <clears throat> and those are all, are all quasi privatized prisons i mean there's a bunch of there's public prisons too and really there's no difference public or private with these prisons it's all about punishing the person if if they're dangerous then you know, they can, uh, these systems are used to, to like, uh, keep people away from the public community, really. Like if they're, if they're a danger to the public and like a murderer or a rapist or something like that, but they get housing and then the, the whole system or the mission statement should be on, uh, retribution. So if there's, and there has to be a victim with it because if it's based on retribution, then they have to pay back the, the victim. So there has to be a victim involved. If there's no victim, then there's mm-hmm. no crime. And, and then in that case, like what half the prisoners wouldn't be in prison really. But, uh, at any rate, so, they would be set up by like like Amazon and and uh, and Walmart type things that they they need people to stock shelves or whatever and not like storefront mm-hmm. shelves but like warehouses and stuff so they'd be away from the public they'd be able to like do some sort of production mm-hmm. work add some value yeah. and and add value and that production work would be used to for the retribution of mm-hmm. the victim after the retribution's paid off they can find like some sort of an insurance to where you know this person's rehabilitated and they can like 
safely enter the community once again. Uh, if something happens, then that insurance company will have to t- take the brunt of the the mm-hmm. chart or the retribution. But then, in that case, like that person has to uh, show uh, an insurance company and insurance company. Uh, it could be multiple insurance companies that give this kind of policy out, but they have to prove to one of them that they, they are actually safe to be within the community. And if they aren't, uh, then they can either be sent out to another community or they can, uh, work to pay their uh, room and board. Yeah, I, I mean, there's so many options out uh, there. And I mean, the first thing, if you, I mean, you take off the, you take out of the prison system, like you said, all the nonviolent offenders, and you're just looking at people who have, I mean, people who've, who've committed fraud, right? You could use something, um, something like you're talking yep, about yep. where they go in and they're, and they're working to pay off their, their retribution. Once that's done, then uh, they, they can go back into society and their insurance they would pay probably wouldn't be that much because, you know they've uh, they've they've righted that wrong. They're not really, I guess they could be a threat to commit fraud again. But the same thing would just happen uh, once again. But we talk about like violent offenders and things like that. That's when we get a little bit more uh, a little bit more complicated. Uh, I would think on that end about how do you um, let them back into society. But that already happens today, and it happens today even under the current circumstances where the you know there is no really correctional system. Um, there's you know they're, they're thrown in and thrown to the wolves in prison, and, and still a lot of violent criminals come out and you know do not uh, do not commit another crime. Some do, but well, yeah, and and they they're also put in with other people who don't have like the same uh, views as them. Like they they're forced within. Like like different types of gangs and stuff, mm-hmm. like the Aryans and M, uh, MS thirteen or whatever. Like there there's different factions, and they're all forced in close quarters with one another. Whereas in in like this, my version of the privatized prisons would be instead of. Uh, you uh everybody like coming uh together like within a a clique like you see in schools and stuff the preps and the jocks and blah 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 instead of having like them forming gangs like Aryans and and whatnot then you'll have uh people who are resonating towards certain types of private smaller privatized prisons that can actually serve the prisoners adequately with like bedding and hospitality and stuff, but they're also within a, a trade, a targeted trade that um, they would all have like, um, they'd have uh, an interest in. So it'd be like, if they're interested in uh, biology or something like that, they could actually do work in that field, get paid for it or, you know, pay retribution mm-hmm. for it. And they're with other like-minded individuals. And I feel like that would decrease the uh, retaliation and, and the conflict within the prison systems as well. And they'd be, they'd be smaller and, and uh, more able to, for fulfillment, mm-hmm. like 
to fulfill their duties, what they they're yeah. supposed to do. Yeah, Tyler, um, I just want to thank you for uh, for coming on the show, and I do uh, I do want to get those links from you for uh, for the articles that you referenced. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so it's so I'm going to run for state senate again um, as an independent instead of a GOP. But yeah, so I have a uh, website. It's tylercolford.com. And all my articles are there. I'll I'll send them to you though. Well, Tyler, thank you for uh, yeah. for coming on the show. It was great to uh, get to speak with you. And you know, I think uh, it's always a good thing when we're shining a light on such an injustice as the case of Ross Ulbricht. For sure, I definitely agree. Thank you, John. All right, man. Thank you. All right, guys, hope you enjoyed today's episode of Felony Friday. With that said, I don't know much else to say. If you like this and if you want to produce your own episode, please consider joining the Lions of Liberty Pride at patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty. You can become a Nittany member for $50 a month, or if you don't want to do all that, you can join for as little as $5 a month to get our bonus content, perks, merchandise, all the good stuff. Check it out, patreon.com slash lions of liberty from myself from my uh, co-producer today tyler colford thank you for listening always remember to keep your head up and the fires of liberty burning